Hello, everyone. This is Richard Beatty, and welcome to Useful to God. Uh, Mark Alford is a husband, father, former small business owner, and former TV news anchor. He's He's got about everything going on, and he represents Missouri's 4th District in Congress. Alford spent 25 years anchoring Kansas City's number one morning news show prior to his time in Congress. Alford's experience behind the news desk gave him a, an objective view over what's going on in politics. Here's part one hey of that interview. Hey everybody, welcome to the program. I'm happy to introduce Representative Mark Alford today uh, from the 14th Congressional District of Missouri. I hope I got all that right. Uh, and uh, we're excited to have him here, just to ask him a few questions, both about his uh, his previous work as a newest anchor, but also now his, his new work in the political realm. And uh, Mark, is just really hoping that you'd uh, fill us in a little bit first on where you're from, your family, and sure. your faith. Hey, James, thanks so much. Uh, Mark Alford, uh, I like to say all Ford and no Chevy, although I had a uh, Chevy that went 435,000 miles of Suburban that... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Took the kids around all over the U.S. in and hauled some horses in. Anyway, uh, I'm in. I represent the fourth congressional district of Missouri, seven hundred and seventy-four thousand twenty-seven constituents. Uh, Republicans, Democrats, Independents, politically agnostic. I represent them all. Try to listen to everyone. Um, my wife is a native of Kansas City. This district is just south of Kansas City. It encompasses twenty-four counties. Uh, and yes, during the campaign, I went to all of them at least once, uh, drove more than 70,000 miles uh, meeting people during the campaign and continued to do so. We were just out on the, uh, in the district today uh, talking and listening to people. Um, our district goes south of Kansas City down to Springfield, over to Lake of the Ozarks and up to Columbia, where the University of Missouri is, and kind of hugs I-70, which uh, bisects America. Uh, we're, I like to say we are in the heart of Missouri, which is in the heart of America. And I'm um, very honored to be representing the people here. Um, this was not ever on my radar to do this job. Uh, I firmly believe God gave me the direction to be here today, sitting here talking uh, with you, James, and uh, kind of sharing our story. I I grew up in Baytown, Texas, which is 20 miles east of Houston on the Houston Ship Channel. It's where uh, uh, General Sam Houston won Texas's independence from Mexico, defeating Santa Ana there at the Battle of San Jacinto. My dad was a, a special Texas Ranger, uh, ag teacher, uh, entrepreneur, later worked in the funeral industry there in Houston, uh, cemetery business. My mom was a school bus driver. Uh, and she, in fact, she's here with us right now in Kansas City spending two weeks and kind of uh, cooling off from the Houston heat. I still have some brothers who live down there in Houston area. And uh, we moved here in 1998. I had uh, started out in broadcasting pretty early on when I was in college at the University of Texas. I got my first on-air internship as a sophomore, actually, investigating tow truck drivers. I had always wanted to be in the in the news business, communication business. I was always a storyteller, always writing stories down in journals and and uh, communicating with people. But uh, I got uh, kind of got the bug for TV early on. My uncle was an anchorman in Oklahoma City, and uh, I wanted to be 
like him. I wanted to be a, a news anchor, a reporter. He wasn't so much a reporter journalist as I uh, later became. Um, so I did that, uh, interned on the air in college at the University of Texas uh, in the late 80s. I got my first full-time job in Waco at the CBS affiliate there uh, uh, and had a great time. That's where I met my wife. She was a producer there at the TV station. In fact, we kind of competed for the same job, uh, <laughs> and I got it. And uh, I like to say we've been in competition ever since. But she <laughs> really understands me and gets me. And uh, we fell in love, got married in 1989 at the Church of Christ there in Waco, Texas. Uh, we moved to West Palm Beach. I was the environmental reporter. She worked for a TV station and uh, the NBC affiliate in uh, Miami. And um, in the early 90s, we moved back to Texas to uh, anchor and report for the Fox station in Dallas. And uh, I covered politics down in Austin, Texas. Always had a love of politics. Uh, covered George W. Bush and his run for governor. I never thought I would be in politics. When we moved uh, from there to Houston, uh, I got to anchor in my hometown, which I thought I had arrived. I was in my late 20s, early 30s, and I thought, wow, I've I've <laughs> hit a home run here. Yeah. Uh, but that's not where God wanted me. He, he brought us here to Kansas City 25 years ago to anchor the morning show here at the Fox station. And um, that's it. I decided... Two years ago that I had had enough of TV, and we can get into that a little bit. Uh, but um, I uh, this was not on my radar. Uh, I stepped out in faith and gave up everything I have to, to do this, to run for this office. I gave up my job, my paycheck, my security, um, yeah. a little bit of sanity, perhaps. Uh, <laughs> Uh, my wife really is a trooper, gave up everything. I mean, uh, yeah. we had it set. And God, uh, we can get into this story, but just really pushed me out this window and told me to fly. And I've never done anything like this in my life. I've yeah. never stepped out on faith to do something. And he has rewarded me at every step. Everything has just fallen into place like that. And that's I think that's when you know it's God. You know, when you 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 said a couple of things that I want to kind of touch on, so I'll, I'll kind of walk through them. But, you know, you've referenced I actually watched a couple of interviews you did with some other folks and you referenced your uncle um, as a news anchor and said that you kind of admired him. Um, what was it about what he was doing that you admired? And what 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 made you what gave that you your your first zeal, I suppose, or your first interest in really telling stories and telling stories on the news? My uncle was an interesting character. My uh, mom early on said that I looked like him. I have three brothers, and and uh, it's funny now because I really look like my dad used to look. But uh, uh, my uncle had a certain charisma and a way of treating people that made them feel special, I think. Uh, he was an entertainer. He started out as a DJ, I think, in Wichita Falls, Texas. Um, he anchored at all three stations in Oklahoma City. And he never was, I said this, he was never like a journalist. He was more old school. They they recruited him out of uh, uh, being a DJ because he was good looking and had a great voice. And in the <laughs> late 70s, it was kind of like the Ron Burgundy. I mean, he wasn't dumb like Ron Burgundy, don't get me wrong. But it was that <laughs> mindset. It was, it was a lot of entertainment. Um, yeah. They would never call it entertainment, but it, it was entertainment. 
Uh, I think the journalism was added by the uh, the reporters who, who brought the stories and told the stories. He is funny because I would hang out with him. I would fly up on Southwest Airlines back when they first started out in the 70s and 80s. And uh, I would fly up there and spend some weeks with him in the summer. And he always tried to discourage me from getting uh, into the TV business. And I never exactly knew why. Hmm. Uh, I think that... Um, he thought I should go into sales or be a photographer. I was into photography at uh, one time pretty heavily, had my own dark room and made movies and all kinds of crazy stuff. But um, I think he saw it as a, a hard life. Uh, and it, it is if you don't have an understanding spouse. There's a lot of divorce in television news. Hmm. You have to move around a lot. Um, I, I, I say you have to move on to move up in the business. If you're a reporter at a TV station, it's hard for you to become an anchor. And being an anchor is where the money is and where the prestige is. To a, not always, but in a lot of senses. Yeah. Um, and so I was always moving on because I wanted to move up. We, yeah. we lived in nine different houses before we wow. moved here. Wow. Uh, we moved a lot, and I tell people we were keeping ahead of the creditors, but that wasn't the truth. We were just, <laughs> I was moving up to the next level, the next position, yeah. uh, and finally landed this great job. I actually took, when we moved here in 1998, we wanted to move here so badly. Uh, Leslie's parents lived here. We They were elderly. They've both since passed, but yeah. we wanted to take care of them. Uh, and I took a, a step down in market size from the ninth largest market to the 33rd largest market and a 30% pay cut, um, which was kind of a blow to my ego, you know, because I was on my this upward tra trajectory. And once you do that, it's hard to get back up into that uh, trajectory in this business. But I interviewed a lot of different places trying to get out of here and I never could get a job. And I had, I mean, we had the number one show in town. We, our ratings, when I left, we beat all the other stations combined in the number of eyeballs that wow. were watching us in the morning. And it wasn't just me. It was our team. Um, I kind of led the team, but we all had our roles to play. And uh, so when I decided to move on, uh, that was a lot to give up. Yeah. Do you think there there's a correlation between, you know, giving up and moving from that ninth largest market to the 36th, I think you said, 36th largest market, 33rd, yeah. 33rd largest market. And then, you know, now taking this next risk and sort of moving into politics, you know, I mean, was that sort of a preparatory God, you know, sort of checking your ego a little bit, pulling it down just a tad and then getting you ready to do something uh, even more, uh, you know, out of the out of the realm of your comfort zone? I think you're right, James. I didn't realize it at the time. And I, I have a speech that I've done for a couple of years and it talks about choices. Um, Ronald Reagan had a similar speech. I didn't rip it off from him, but um, <laughs> I, I do love Ronald Reagan. I do quote him quite a bit, and we'll get into that a little bit uh, because of a promise I made to God um, early on. But um, I do know this. Life is about choices. And when you, I'm going to turn 60 October 4th. And when you start getting a little bit older, I don't think I'm old, but when you get maybe 40, 45, 50, you start looking back at the life, your life and the choices that you made and the decisions that you made and how God has woven that really into a tapestry that is your life. Now, when you're 
when that's being woven together by each decision, each choice, each job, each relationship, that's a stitch in that tapestry. You can't really see it, though, until you step back and look at the picture that God has woven in your life. And God talks about that in, in Proverbs. Um, you know, we we make our plans, but God directs our paths. And I think if we're living in him and trying to live in his will, and I, Lord knows I haven't always done that, but he seems to, I know he does. He takes those mistakes, those sins, those um, stupid things that we do. And because he has a plan and purpose for each of us, he turns that into something beautiful. And I was pretty much at my wit's end uh, being in television. Uh, I didn't know what I was going to do. I was like, I, I was doing real estate on the side. I, I had a, a custom clothing company, made custom suits for a long time. And I thought, maybe I'm just going to, to leave that this profession that I had so much passion for since I was in fifth grade and give that up and just do real estate. My daughter's getting married. Leslie and I'll go to Cancun a lot, hang out on the beach and have a wonderful <laughs> life. But that's not what... God, it was not and is not finished with a tapestry that he is weaving in my life. Yeah. And it's not. The more I'm in Washington, the more I'm in this district, the more I'm visiting with people and talking with them. Um, and, and last night's a great example. We had a fentanyl forum. I got to tell you this story in a little bit. I know I'm spider webbing here, but no, you're um, great. the more people that I meet that God brings into my life, that he has given me the opportunity to look in the eyeball and hear exactly what's on their hearts, souls, and minds. I know without a doubt that this is a divine plan that he has me on. Hmm. It's not... I don't want it to sound arrogant, but I've in television... I was living for me and my fame and my glory a lot and um, putting others behind me. And uh, I have some regrets for that. Um, I think in a lot of cases, because I wanted to move up and move on, uh, I sometimes put my family behind me and some of their needs. Um, thank God they stuck with me. Uh, they know I'm a flawed individual, but I'm trying to do the best I can. And um, I think the more that I turn towards God for his uh, leadership in my life, the more he's honoring that and putting me in contact with these people with amazing stories that need healing. Our country needs healing. Our country is, is broken. Uh, and one of the things I did early on when I prayed about this decision with Leslie and we got wise counsel from a lot of people, um, <laughs> I, I said, you know, God, I'm going to mention you in every speech that I do because it's you who are pushing me out this window to make this jump. And I owe it to you to try to proclaim your glory and the glory of Jesus Christ. And one of the ways I do that is uh, the speeches that I gave on the campaign trail. And I can, I've done this on the House floor. Uh, and I, I never get the quote exactly right. And so if you look this up, Google it. It's a speech that Ronald Reagan did. And I talk about how broken we are as a country and how more divided that we are than really any time, I think, than the Civil War. And um, he said something in this effect that he had 
he had an answer for the, our division in America in the in the 80s. He said, it's time for us to reassert our trust in God. It's time for us to realize that we need him more than he needs us. It's time to turn to God for the healing of America. Well, you know, I know Nate's got a question he wants to ask you. I just want to say this as just a quick follow-up. I find it fascinating that you've really moved. And I, I've, again, I listened to a few of your interviews before we did this. Um, I'm fascinated by the listening tours because I think you've moved from being a storyteller to someone who is now listening to stories. Mm-hmm. And I just think it 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 has to be this sort of fascinating uh, new world for you <laughs> as you go out and you're again almost being sort of a news reporter, right? Gathering what people are really saying. I think you're probably very well prepared to do the role you're doing right now. And uh, I just find it fascinating to think about the way that God must have been preparing you for this sort of odd shift that you've made um, now toward the end of your career. And um, just really wanted to say that as an encouragement that I think you're probably very well suited to do exactly what it is that God has called you in to do. And so, uh, Nate, I know you had a question. I didn't want to cut you off. but First, I totally agree with that 100 uh, percent. I don't know if anybody's more qualified. Uh, and uh, Mark, just so you know, James does not live in Kansas City. Um, so he didn't get to hear, but when you say 98, I always forget that's when you moved here and, and started with Fox four, cause that was my senior year. And that's when I moved here too. So I remember seeing you in the news much when, when I was a senior in high school and I moved a lot too. I went to four high schools, but I never knew seeing you on the news that I would end up meeting you, you know, through your son, Jasper. And, and, uh, so I'm just want to say, I'm honored to have you on the show. You're definitely one of my heroes. I don't know if you even know this, but the reason why I went in radio was partly because of you. I was just always amazed and encouraged uh, by the way you made people feel like you. I know you were saying you have regrets and we all do. However, I know we're the hardest critic on ourselves, and we're always hardest on ourselves. But you had this way, whether it was in the studio or when you were live on air or when you were out at a remote of making people. And you even used to I forget the exact tagline, but you said something like, uh, you know, I'm here for the people. I'm doing this for the people. And I know you said otherwise earlier, but I wouldn't have known that back then and even you know, to the end of your career there at Fox. Uh, so my question is, how does that translate now? Because you were so, like James just said, you were so well equipped and suited for that. You really made everyone feel like you were working for them, not for the station. And so now in even a bigger capacity, bigger role, you get to do the same thing. How does that translate? That's a good question. I, um, I want to go back to last night to this fentanyl forum. Um, and this story will kind of relate to what my what God is doing in this situation to help me to be a voice for people. I, I, I said on the campaign trail, look, I, I'm putting down my microphone and I'm picking up a megaphone and I'm intent on listening to people. And I'm going to the, be the loudest, strongest, most consistent, unwavering voice I can be for conservative values that Missouri has ever seen. I interviewed a lot of and so trying to get out. Two months ago, I was in the job and I had licensing bureau in Belton, in town, Missouri, just south of Kansas City. It's in our district. When I very small licensing bureau, I go there because they have great service combined. No lines, number of eyeballs. And I and it was been right. Our dirty. Uh, um, I didn't have my license, tags, but we all had about a month. And I was play. like, uh, and, uh, if I get pulled over, this is not so good. So when I, I decided to <laughs> so move I went on, in there, and there was a nice lady. Yeah. Um, Do you think there we did the transaction and uh, uh, they still have a little plexiglass up because of COVID that we know is over, but for some reason it's still up. Anyway, 
yeah. 33rd largest market. And After we finished the transaction, took about 10 minutes, I paid, and sort of uh, moving she into says, politics. You know, um, I mean, was Mr. Alford, could I talk to you, you a know, second? Sort of checking your ego thought, a little bit, well, pulling it down. Yeah, we've been talking. And then getting you ready to I need to share something Even more And so I stepped over to the side of the plexiglass so I could talk to her. I think you're right, James. I didn't realize it at the time. And people kind of started listening to us about, you know, there were people in this licensing Office. Ronald Reagan had her name Sarah. I didn't rip Sarah Eager, her, but and she um, started telling me about her daughter who had died six months prior uh, last fall from fentanyl poisoning. This is a complete stranger. She, I get, you know, I mean, she felt like she knew me because she had watched me on television. That's a great thing about having been on television here for 25 years. People feel like they know me. I was real. I was authentic on the air. And so I had this great relationship with people who I don't even know. They feel like they know me. But it opened this door, this vulnerability that I don't think you would normally have, uh, almost in a pastoral role. And I don't really see myself as a pastor, but I guess in some cases, by listening to people uh, and helping them work through their problems, I am to some degree. She told me this story and it went on for about 20 minutes. And she was crying and I was crying and people listening were crying. And uh, here in the middle of public in this licensing office, and uh, it ended with kind of a, a plea for help in that she wanted to do something with this tragedy to help others. And she didn't know what to do. And I said, I know what to do because, sorry, I have a fly here. Um, I can be your voice in this and I can help you get your message out. And I immediately went back to our district office a couple of miles away in Raymore, Missouri. I got with our team. I said, we're going to do a fentanyl forum and we're going to have panelists and we're going to have Sarah there. Uh, and we worked on it for six weeks. I had a I have a lady who works in our office. That's all she does is events uh, to try to reach out to the public. And uh, so last night we had 12 panelists, uh, law enforcement, clergy, uh, health professionals, the health department, school counselors, anyone that we thought could some way be connected to the fentanyl crisis in America on a local level. They were there along with four families who told their personal stories of loss and grief. Mm. And to gather 250 people in this community center, many of whom I'd never met before, came together with Sarah and listened to her story and Colleen's story and Mark's story and Tracy's story. And we grieved with them. We prayed with them. And we found a few possible solutions to help other parents uh, identify things in their household or in their communications with their young persons in their life that may help save a life. And because of that, we're going to replicate this program and we are taking it on the road, this fentanyl forum. We're doing it in Columbia, Missouri, uh, home of the University of Missouri. That's in our district. We're going to the southern part of our district in Lebanon, uh, I am offering, and we're going to Springfield. Uh, we're moving into other districts. I've contacted two of our uh, Congress people from our delegation here in Missouri who want to take part in this. And I hope we can replicate this fentanyl forum 
all over that all 435 congressmen and women will will use this program that we've put together to start opening the dialogue of the fentanyl crisis in America. We lost 109,000 fellow citizens last year from overdoses. That is equivalent to a plane load of people a day crashing in America. Hmm. Think about that. And what are we doing about it? We have a border that our president refuses to secure. We have a, a country that is aggressive. The Communist Chinese Party uh, is intent on killing us from the inside out through social media, in our minds, and stopping the hearts of young people with deadly fentanyl that's coming up through the Mexican border. So if our, our president's not going to do anything about it, which unfortunately I, I don't believe they are, then we're going to have to take steps on our own in our own local communities to do something about it. Now, I know that's a long-winded story, Nate, but it's part of what we're doing. It's part of what the God has given me this talent that I've honed over 35 years. Um, again, not in any way to be grandiose or um, boastful, but you remember how David... I mean, he was a shepherd's boy, right? And every day he practiced with that slingshot. He didn't know he was going to face Goliath. Right. But every day he practiced. And that practice over time, over years, when it came down to it, he needed one stone to hit the forehead of Goliath and bring down a giant. And I think that's how God didn't just prepare me for this moment in time, but I think he prepares each one of us. Nate, he's prepared you for this new journey that you're on. James, for your journey of communication in this, um, this endeavor, he's working on each one of us, but we have to be willing to be that clay that's molded. We have to be willing to be that soil that's tilled. We have to be malleable and willing and listening to his call. And, and it's a call that changes. The call that I had when I was in fifth grade, it's not the same call that I have today. It won't be the same call that I have 10 years from now. But um, I just give it to God and his glory. And um, I just I wake up every day. I say, God, how do you want to use me today? Well, a great conversation uh, between Mark Alford, James Spencer and Nate. Uh, and I just uh, very appreciative of uh, of the words that uh, that he said and uh, and going from journalism uh, back into, or uh, for the first time, going into uh, the political realm and uh, and serving there, uh, and that's um, that's how uh, Mark Alford has uh, has figured uh, that he is useful to God, and um, and he asked to be used by God in that way. Uh, thanks for listening. Uh, for more information, go to usefultogod.org. We've got some really good shows coming up for you, and um, we'll start with Mark Alford uh, Part 2 uh, next week. Have a great week.